So this morning, church, we start a brand new three-week series called Faith, Hope, and Love. Faith, Hope, and Love. That's what we're going to be talking about over the next over the next couple of weeks. And the inspiration from this series comes from a key passage in the book of 1 Corinthians. Let's see who the saints are. Where, would, where, where do we hear the words faith, hope, and love in Scripture? 1 Corinthians chapter 13. There we go. So if you've, if you've been around church for a while, you've probably heard a sermon on 1 Corinthians 13, or if you've ever been to a wedding, you've probably heard it preached on this, on this verse. You know, brides and grooms love to quote these words to one another when they're standing in front of the altar uh, sharing their vows. It's a famous chapter on love in the Bible. And this is where the Apostle Paul writes to the church and he explains, he tells them what God's kind of love is. Beautiful words that I'm not going to repeat for us now just yet uh, in terms of how it describes what God's love looks like. Uh, and interestingly, we're going we're gonna, to uh, get to this um, over the next couple of weeks, but there's, there, there's, there's four definitions for the Greek word of love in the New Testament. It's fantastic. It helps you distinguish between I love my dog, I love chocolate, and I love my wife. I'm not going to say that sometimes the, <laughs> the love seems close, but there's differences. There are differences, and, and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna look at those in, in uh, week three. And although love is obviously a major theme of 1 Corinthians 13, there's a, there's a verse right at the end of the chapter that has come up a lot in recent conversations that I've had over the last couple of weeks with people from varying uh, walks of life and different backgrounds and different beliefs. And these, these questions kind of address the heart of what I want to talk about in this series as we unpack it. Here they are. First one is, what is faith? How do I get it? And how do I live by it? Questions come up a lot. What is this faith thing that you Christians talk about? What is it? Second question, how can I live in hope despite what I'm going through or what I see around me? And then lastly, how do I receive and give love? Not just love for chocolates, but God's kind of love, the kind of love that changes me. So how do I live by faith, live in hope and live with love? That's where we're going over the next three weeks. And I'm really looking forward to diving into each of those key themes with you, one a week, starting with faith today, and seeing what God wants to reveal to us by His Spirit throughout this series. Are you guys with me? And you say amen to that. So let's have a look at the key scripture for the series. And some of you have probably already seen how this is going to go. And, and uh, for the rest of us uh, uh, unsaved heathens, 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 to 13, is where this wonderful passage of Scripture is found. And so just stay with me as we go through this through this chapter. I'm going to read the whole chapter first this morning, okay? But it's only 13 verses, so relax. We'll still be out of here before 10.30. Um, and this is from the, from the NET translation. Pause there for a moment. The NET, it's a fairly new translation. And you know, if you're reading in the Bible, you get those little, those little um, numbers or letters next to every word. This particular translation has got 60,000 of those references in the book. So it's really helpful when it comes to painting the context and understanding the words and all that sort of stuff. So NET, 1 Corinthians 13, are you ready? Let's go. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, but I do not have love, I'm nothing. If I give away everything I own, and if I give my body in order to boast, but do not have love, I receive no benefit. And then he lists the famous characteristics of what love is. He says, love is patient, love is kind. It's not envious, it does not brag, it's not puffed up, 
Love is not rude. It's not self-serving. It's not easily angered or resentful. It's not glad about injustice, but it rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never ends. But if there are prophecies, they will be set aside. If there are tongues, they will cease. And if there's knowledge, it will be set aside. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when, we, but when what is perfect comes, when we see Christ, the partial will be set aside. He says, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became an adult, I put childish ways aside. For now we see in a mirror, indirectly, we don't have the full picture yet. But then when we see Jesus, we'll see him face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I have been fully known. And this is the focus of the series, this last verse in this amazing chapter. And now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. So well done, you read a whole chapter in the Bible in church. Congratulations. We can now go to God and say, God, I've read a whole chapter. Make sure the Springboks win the Rugby World Cup. Thank you very much. That kind of thinking is actually part of what we want to talk about this morning. But what do we, what do, we do with this incredible passage of Scripture? How do, we, how do we begin this journey into discovering in week one what it means to live a life of faith by unpacking this incredible verse? And now these three remain, faith, hope, love, the greatest is love. Well, this is how I want us to start the conversation, which will be something of a, of a journey, I guess, into our spiritual existence, if you want to call it that. Because that's who we are. And, and, and that's, that's the life that we are living. It's... You know, we are spiritual beings. We're not just physical bodies. We're spirit, soul, and body, right? Thessalonians. That's who we are. We've been created with this this spiritual element of us, and we're living for an eternal future. This is not just something temporary and earthly. We have the Spirit of God living on the inside of us when we are saved, and, and we're living with this view of eternity, right? Heaven is real. Hell is real. And so it's really important that I guess we view our lives as something of this journey that we're on towards becoming the people that God has called us to be. And so we need to really get a good understanding of these three faith or, 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 or these three Christian uh, principles or values to make sure that we live with this right perspective. And I want us to picture, for the purpose of this series, this spiritual journey, the spiritual existence we have, using an analogy of a bicycle. I want us to picture our spiritual existence in, using the image of a bicycle. The title of my message this morning is, How's the Bike? How's the Bike? And so to help us with this, I thought, let's take it back a few years. Let's, let's go to the early days in church when we still had PowerPoint presentations. Who the... Who the Christians that remember PowerPoint presentations and slides up on the church with the little overhead projector and then they would write the words on the thing and then you would smudge a word. So, holy, holy, holy is the Lord blank because it's just a smudge. You guys remember those days. But I want us to use the, the, the analogy, the imagery of a bike to help us along our way. So, have we, got our, have we got our image of a bike up there, production team? There it is. Look at that. A bike on the beach. I mean... What, a, what an amazing picture for J-Bay. I've ridden on a few bikes on the beaches in J-Bay. Um, and there it is. I thought that would be a cool picture. So what I want us to do, by the way, I spent hours and hours preparing this world-class PowerPoint presentation for our conversation this morning. I really, I, I just, I poured myself into this, into this uh, state-of-the-art presentation. 
And, and uh, I hope that it's going to be meaningful for you. But here's what I want us to do. Imagine this bicycle, right, as a representation of your life, of your spirituality, what, what, what we've been talking about. So where's my next slide there? Hours, guys. Hours. <laughs> hours and hours. It, this is the reason why we have creative teams in church. Keeps the pastors from embarrassing themselves. Um, but this is, this is going to help us um, understand how, how our spiritual lives are made up. The, the components of our spiritual lives are constructed from this verse that we've, that we've just read. So you know, just notice firstly that, that in the context of, 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 of building your, your, your spiritual life, out of all the things that the Apostle Paul could have mentioned in that verse, he chose faith, hope, and love as the things that remain. Not gifts, not something we can acquire, not character, not honesty, not even wisdom. Which I think is important to note that, you know, 1 Corinthians 13 falls in between two chapters that talk about spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 14. So it's amazing. It kind of shows you where love is in this whole thing. And he could have mentioned any of those, but he chose faith, hope, and love. Not power, miracles, and gifts. Faith, hope, and love. These are the three essences of what makes up your Christian journey. So this is the, this is the bicycle energy, and this is how it's going to help us. How does faith, hope, and love tie into the, com- to the, to the compartments and the components of our spiritual journey? If we imagine our life like that. Well, firstly, the first great pursuit that he mentions is faith. And so what I want us to do is imagine faith as the frame of that bicycle. Faith is the framework. Faith is the design of the thing. Faith is how, is, 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 is how it's been made. So faith is, is kind of, it's the frame upon which the rest of the bike is built. You guys hearing me this morning? That's, that's faith. So, 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 so faith would be the thing that you can see that holds it together, that's strong, that's tangible. It is the, it is the design of the bicycle the spiritual components of your spiritual life. First one, faith. Second one, hope. What is hope? Look at, look at my design here. I mean, that is just glorious. Hope, hope is, the, hope is the pedals in the chain. Hope is the energy that drives the bicycle forward. You with me? Hope, hope, hope powers the thing. Hope is the reason you get up in the morning. Hope is the, hope is the motivation for pedaling. It's the, it's the, it's the energy that drives this bike, bike, uh, bicycle forward. You know, Martin Luther King said, we must accept finite disappointment, but never lose infinite hope. Hope is essential. It really is the driving force that shapes us who we are as followers of Jesus. You know, we live with joyful expectation. We live with this hope. Uh, even farmers, they will sow seeds now in hope of a harvest, right? It's, it's, it really is the, the, the thing that shapes what we do. Okay, so we've got faith as the frame. Hope is the pedals and chain. That rhymed unintentionally. And then we've got love. What is love? How is the spiritual component of love related to our journeys? Well, love is the handlebars. Oh, my S jumped over. Oh, come on. I spent all week on this presentation. Hope, hope, hope is the handlebars. Uh, love, love, love is the handlebars. Love is the aim of the bicycle. That is, that is the direction. In, it's the whole point of the thing. You guys with me? It's the, it's the steering mechanism of, of the bicycle. And we're going to talk a lot more about love in week three. But it would be likened to the aim that your life points in. The direction that you are headed when it comes to fulfilling the ultimate purpose of your journey. So when it comes to our spiritual journeys, let's take, let's, let's, let's remember this little, oh, by the way, 
little side note here. Thank you for your participation in today's world-class presentation. <laughs> Production by Lloyd Dillon Designs. All work is subject to copyright. Infringements are punishable by instant coffee, sachets, and Diet Coke. All rights reserved. Jesus is watching. <laughs> so you can, uh, you can uh, yeah, just remember that one. I'll come up with another presentation next week and build up a little resume here. But I hope, I hope this little image is going is, is gonna, to is gonna, is gonna stick with us when it comes to understanding faith open up from this, from this passage of Scripture. This is the components of how we've been made as spiritual people. And I guess it's really important to take a look at how our bikes are doing when it comes to these three important pursuits of the Christian life. Because here's the thing, and this is why those questions I mentioned earlier uh, at the beginning are important for us to answer. All of us, whether saved or not, are riding on some kind of a bicycle in our journeys towards some form of destination. We've all constructed our lives with some form of vehicle that we hope will take us where we intend to go. You know, this, this destination of reaching our goals and, and, and our dreams. And by the way, nowhere is also a destination, in case you're wondering, um, it's just not a very exciting one. That's why when you see people that aren't doing anything, it's their soul feels bored because we were created to go somewhere, right? But we're all on a journey towards some outcome that we hope to achieve. But here's the thing about life, and you guys know this. Sometimes we hit a snag on the road. Sometimes on this pursuit of where we want to go, we hit an obstacle. In South Africa, we call them potholes. Some of them are so big at the moment, just like a bass dam with a small boat in it. But we hit these snags on the road and, and, and what happens is your bike takes a beating. Your bike takes a beating. And whether you're young or old, rich or poor, churchy or unchurchy, whatever you have chosen as the components of your bike, it will be tested. At some point or another, it will be tested. And when that happens, you want to make sure that you have built your life worth something that can, that, that can withstand the testing and the trials that come. And so I suppose the, the point of this conversation that we're having is to say, why not make sure that the quality of the bike you have is able to withstand the obstacles that, that uh, uh, come your way? So you don't have to, you know, every time you hit one of them, stop and change a tire, you know? You hit this obstacle and the frame cracks and the wheels fall off. Why is that? Well, you know, the frame wasn't actually built with faith. It was built on a conspiracy theory or a cool idea, or something that someone said, and now you've hit this pothole because the frame was weak, and now you've got no direction, you've got no love left, and you're looking to hitchhike and catch a ride on someone else's bike. You guys understand what I'm saying? Abandoning your journey for theirs, and that's not where we want to go. We want to we get to the destination solidly. We want to be able to withstand those obstacles confidently. You know, the Bible puts it this way in 1 Corinthians 3, the same book, by the way, that, that the Apostle Paul is writing to the church. He says this, For no one can lay any foundation other than what is being laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on the foundation and he lists two categories of people, with gold, silver, precious stones, number one, number two, wood, hay, or straw, each builder's work will be plainly seen. Why? For the day will make it clear, because it will be revealed by fire. There's a testing that's going to come. There's an obstacle, if you want to call it that, that's going to test the quality of the work, the quality of the bike that we've built. Verse 14, if what someone has built survives, he will receive a reward. If someone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as through fire. 
you know, this conversation really is about why not take a look at our bikes and see if there is some adjusting that needs to happen to our bikes. Maybe we can bring our, our bicycles to the repair center. Church, the word of God, see if we can do some, some tweaking so that, you know, we don't get saved, but only as through fire, <laughs> you know? It's like, yeah, I made it into heaven, but still smelling of the bra, you know? That sort of conversation, it's, it's, you, get, you get what I'm saying? Maybe there is an eternal reward that is worth working for, that is worth building a quality bicycle around. You guys with me? You guys understand what I'm saying this morning? And I think over the next three weeks, we have this wonderful opportunity based on this verse to, to, to build well, to build with faith, build with hope, and build with love as the key components of our spiritual journey. So for our time this morning, taking faith as the frame, I perhaps want to focus on just on just one key element of faith this morning. And I must say, there was so much that I had planned to say, and then I realized, you know, church is sort of an hour and 10, hour and 15 minutes, so I don't want to keep the saints here forever. So I, I kind of want to just focus on one of them, and, and, and this is, how do I know, how do I know that what I've got is solid? How do I know that my faith is solid? How do I know that the frame of my bicycle, the frame of my spiritual journey is solid and is able to withstand these, these potholes that I'll face along the journey. And this might be helpful for you, whether you're a new Christian, an old Christian, or somewhere in between. Maybe, maybe you see faith in a, in a new light, and, and, and maybe this will encourage you to take hold of faith in a new way and to, and to, and to build with it. I suppose that would be the goal of this morning. And I think it would be a, a, a very helpful start to look at where does our faith originate? Where does our faith come from? Maybe that's a worthwhile beginning. You know, many people go through life with the understanding that, that their faith is theirs. Have you ever heard anyone say, my faith is private? My faith is personal to me. It's a, it's a, it's a personal journey. It's, a, it's, it's mine. And, you know, I think I understand where, the, you know, where they're coming from, what, what people mean when they say that. And I've said that too. And there's merit in it, you know, that we're all in a personal relationship with Jesus. But I think it could be a very unhelpful statement when it comes to building a solid frame. Here's why. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. The faith that you have, you couldn't earn. And you didn't create. Friends, faith doesn't begin with me. Faith doesn't begin with me. It actually doesn't have that much to do with me. Faith originates in God. That's a very, very big idea. Faith is his gift to us. It comes from him, and it's about him. You know, this, this changes the game slightly, doesn't it? This, this helps us elevate <laughs> our way of thinking when it comes to the faith conversation. By looking at the frame of our spiritual lives, faith, we begin to realize that faith is perhaps more intentional than it is random. You see, faith is not a bunch of assumptions. Faith is not a bunch of random assumptions. Faith is not presumptuous. It's not random speculation. Neither is it wishful thinking. Faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word or the message about Christ. Faith is about someone. 
based on someone, not just anything. Faith is a lot more intentional than what we might realize, and that someone who our faith is based on is the person of Jesus. He is the object and the creator of our faith. So when we say things like, my faith is personal, my faith is private, well, my hope in going through this series and the, and the filter of this verse is to realize, hey, hang on a second, when I have faith in Jesus, that's his faith. It's a gift from him. And Jesus is the object, not me. And we're going to get to that in just a bit, why, why that is so crucially important. But look at Hebrews 12 verses 1 to 2, well-known passage. This puts it really plainly for us. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, who are the witnesses? It's all the incredible heroes of faith that we read about in the Bible, right? Let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Would you humor me for a moment and say, let's cycle the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, who's he? The founder and perfecter of our faith. Our faith comes from Christ. It's not based on us. It's not rooted in our ability. It comes from him. And what did he do for the joy that was set before him? He endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. You know, the, the fact that our faith is, is, comes from God really is fantastic news. Because here's the thing, you know, when we hit one of those potholes, when we hit one of those snags, and when the frame of our bike is shaken, people might often say it was because of a lack of faith on our part that this thing happened. Has anyone ever used that excuse? I have, time and time again. Oh, it was a lack of faith on my part. I just didn't have enough faith to believe. That's why this thing happened. You know, as in the, this level of ability we have to be good Christians determines the outcome that we experience. I wasn't a good Christian, therefore this thing happened, or they were really great Christians, and that's why they got this blessing. You know, I don't know if you've ever met someone whose life is just completely falling apart around them due to circumstances outside their control, and you're like, hey man, how are you doing? And they're like, yeah, you know, I'm fine. <laughs> just got to have faith and all will be well. And they're like deathly sick in hospital, you know. They're in complete denial about their situation. They were worried that it had something to do with the lack of faith on their part. And by admitting that we're defeated sometimes, we feel like we failed some kind of a standard in some way. And I've been there. I've been there. And the problem with that is when we say that, when we say that it was a result of a lack of faith on our part, we make faith about ourselves and our ability. And that's what brings condemnation. That's what brings condemnation. Do you know what type of thinking I'm talking about? Now, I'm not saying that we just carry on living like we want and don't assume any responsibility for growing in faith and maturity in our relationship with Jesus, of course. But I'm saying that faith is infinitely more about him than it is about us. And we're not called to live in condemnation or bondage in this area. So I want to I wanna maybe set a few people free from, from, from that type of thinking by saying, I want to I I say this this morning. Admitting that you have a need is the prerequisite to getting help from Jesus. Admitting that you have a need is the prerequisite to getting help from Jesus. Not that you didn't have enough faith that you didn't need to get help from him. Do you understand what I'm saying? Admitting, Lord, I'm weak in this area. Please help me. Lord, I'm struggling with this. Lord, I need your guidance here. That is the prerequisite. That's how we access help from Jesus. Not that we didn't have enough faith that I didn't need to get help from him. Romans 8 verses 1, 
There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Faith can't be about me. <laughs> because if it is, then I fall into this, into this trap. And perhaps, you know, we, we, we may have been disappointed with our lack of results as we've traveled along our spiritual journeys and we thought that it was because of a lack of faith in our part in some way. As in, we didn't believe hard enough. We didn't fast long enough. We didn't pray intensely enough to get the results that we wanted. And while those are all great things, we should pray and hope and fast. It's not, it's not, about, it's not about this thing of self-condemnation. And if we're honest, you know, sometimes what we do in our Christian journeys is we compare our faith journey to someone else's. You know, you saw them get a breakthrough. You saw God do something in their life. You saw them receive a miracle and we go, something's wrong with me. I didn't match up to the standard to receive this thing. And you know what? God doesn't want for you what he's got in mind for the other person. We've fallen into that comparison trap, haven't we? This is what happens. You've got your own journey, friend. Lloyd, you've got your own bark. You're running your own race. God's got unique blessings and favor that he wants to release for you. Don't compare yourself to someone else. That's how we make this whole faith thing about ourselves. And God really wants something that's unique for you. And so friends, the encouragement this morning when it comes to, to, to understanding and, and, and unpacking our faith is to go hear him speak to you about what he's doing in your life. And in, you, and, and in doing so, you activate faith for what he's got for you. You know, you could actually say it this way. Things, things around you don't manifest as you articulate them. They don't come to life as you speak them. Your faith mani manifests as you articulate God's promises. That's a very, very important thing. You know, we don't walk around pointing at Ferraris going, Lord, I receive, you know. Lord, I receive the Ferrari. I rebuke my Corsa in the name of Jesus. I receive the Ferrari, you know. I mean, if, you, if you're praying for a Ferrari, you must have heard God say, ask for a Ferrari. Faith comes by hearing. I mean, sure, if you hear God say, ask for a Ferrari, bless you, you know, amazing. But for most of us, we haven't heard that. That's why I'm saying faith is not presumptive. Faith is not randomly looking at things, you know, declaring these words, hoping that they'll manifest in some way. Faith is about articulating and declaring God's promises. That results in our faith rising. God, what have you called me to do? What is it that you're saying to me in this season? Faith is not speculative and wishful thinking based on our ability to move God. Faith is based in the person of Jesus. Anyway, there's some fantastic news about this. God is not intimidated by or limited by our lack of faith. If God can speak things into existence without our help, thank the Lord, God created the world without our help. We didn't add our faith when he said, let there be light. God can speak things into, into existence without our help. Our lack of faith doesn't intimidate or limit Jesus. And so what I wanted to say just very quickly is faith doesn't have that much to do with you when compared to how much it has to do with, with the Jesus. In fact, the level of faith that we have isn't really the problem. That's why Jesus says, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to what? It's mountain. Be cast into the sea and it, will be, and it will be done. It can't be about the amount of faith that we have. Rather, it's about who we place our faith in that matters. Friends, faith originates from God. 
the frame of our lives, the very thing that we have constructed our spiritual journeys around comes from our maker. It comes from God. And he's called us to place our faith in him, not in our own ability. Faith brings freedom. Our own abilities brings condemnation. And I believe God is calling us to be a people that resets the frame. Let's, let's bring our frames back into the body shop, shall we? Get them, get them fixed up. Get them constructed around the right material. So three things quickly. What do we do from here? How do we build solid frames? We know it's a solid frame if it's founded on God and if it's based on His ability, His promises. So how do we, how do we build? How do we, how do we go from here? Well, I'm going to give you three quick points, three steps, rapid fire style on how to check the quality of your frame now that we've cleared the air in terms of where, where our faith comes from in the first place. Are you guys with me still? First one, friends, I want you to check the color. I want you to check the color of your frame. The question I want to ask us this morning is, is the color of your frame red? Meaning, does your faith link your heart to his salvation? That's the question. Does your faith link your heart to his love through salvation? If so, you know it's solid. If so, you know it's solid. Now, now, this is not to say that there's no uniqueness to our relationship with Jesus, okay? And if you have a mountain bike or a bicycle that doesn't have a red frame, please don't throw it away. Or if you do, just email Lloyd at Father's House SA first so I can come and collect it. Um, but, but, you know, when it comes to building a solid frame of faith, it has to be based on the person of Jesus and on his saving blood that saved us and that forgave us and that set us free. And there's lots of bicycles around there with all kinds of colors. People basing their lives on all sorts of colorful ideas, principles, concepts. But the most important question we need to ask when it comes to examining the frame, our faith of our bike is, is it red? It does the blood of the Lamb of Jesus that washes away my sin cover my faith? Does it cover the faith that I was given and is that what I use to place my trust in him? Ephesians 2 verses 8, here it is. For by grace you are saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Man, that's a powerful verse. We could spend all day on that one. It's for by grace you have been saved. Friends, when it comes to building our faith, let's, let's just check the color. Let's just make sure that our faith is covered by the blood of Jesus that brought us salvation. Can you say amen to that this morning? Secondly, check the shape. Check the shape. Lots of different frames out there, just like there's lots of different colors, lots of different shapes and sizes. Many different types of faith out there often get asked that question I mentioned earlier, how do we know that the Christian faith is better than the others? Lots of conversation around that. Here's the question I want, I want, I want to ask you this morning about your frame. Is it in the shape of the cross? Is it in the shape of the cross? Meaning, is it about believing in his work, Jesus' work? Or is it about you trying to work something out? Faith is not just knowledge, it's not you know, we can't fit God into a box of our own understanding. We can't work him out. He's bigger than our understanding. 
And faith is not about ignoring reality. It's about saying, despite the reality, there's a supernatural God who is able to save. That's the picture of the cross. And that's where we place our confidence. It's, it's in the one who finished the work on the cross on our behalf. And so we don't trust in our own efforts to be made right with God through some other way, right? We trust in what Jesus has done through the cross. This is a fascinating passage of Scripture, Romans 4. By the way, um, just before you put it up there, uh, production, the Apostle Paul, he writes to this church in Rome because they've got a faith issue. The church was based from a lot of Jewish recent converts who had moved over to Christianity. And they were adding a whole bunch of things. You know, you need to do this and have faith, you know? Some of them are quite hectic, these, these, these additions that they'd added. And Paul has to write to them saying, listen here, guys, this is how faith actually works. This is what it's about. He kind of sets the record straight for them. And he says this in Romans 4, verses 3 to 5. For what does the scripture say? It talks about Abraham, who we know is the father of our faith. He says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him, credited to him for righteousness. Now, this is a fascinating passage. Now, to the one who works... Pay is not credited as a gift, but as something owed. Just pause there for a moment, guys. Now to the one who works, pay is not credited as a gift, but as something owed. Do you know what he's talking about there? He says, if you're going to work for your salvation, God owes you something. But what about Abraham? He believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. He received a gift. And this is the distinction that I think God is wanting us to make this morning. And hopefully this is something that we can share with others too. Our salvation does not depend on our work. It depends in the work that Jesus did for us. And God calls us to say, Lord, I believe in what you did. That's how I made righteous. I'm not trusting in what I did to earn your salvation. Friends, God does not owe us anything. We owe him our lives because he gave us the gift of salvation. And then he goes on to say in verse five, but to the one who does not work, the one who believes on him who justified the ungodly, his faith is credited for righteousness. It's not about what we've done. It's about what Jesus has done for us. And when we believe that, we're made right with him. Are you, are you with me this morning, church? Can you say amen to that? Firstly, check the color. Is it red? Secondly, check the shape. Is it in the shape of a cross? And lastly, check the pace. Check the pace of your frame. Does your frame support and contribute to you moving forward? If not, probably not a good frame. Might look pretty on the outside, but when you sit on the bike, the whole frame falls apart because it's not been used in a while. <laughs> you see, this is what true faith is. That's what I'm saying. You have to check the pace. You have to check if we're moving forward because true faith always results in action. True faith always results in action. It always results in progress. And you want to know why? When you see the one upon whom you have based your faith and when you receive what he's done for you, you live by faith. That's the equation. True faith, saving faith, always results in some kind of an action on our part. Look at what James chapter 2, verses 15 to 18 says. I've mentioned uh, this, this, this book before. If you ever feel like a... a punch to the stomach book in the Bible, go and read James. He just cuts to the chase and says it like it is. He says, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacks daily food, and if one of you says to him, go in peace, keep warm, eat well, but you do not give them what the body needs, what good is it? 
Empty faith makes declarations but has no action. So also faith, if it does not have works, if there's not some kind of evidence of moving forward, is dead being by itself. Man, that's a powerful verse. And the encouragement for us this morning, friends, is when we are building our spiritual lives, when we are constructing our spiritual journeys, because we are spiritual people heading for an eternity with God, let's make sure that the faith we profess is also accompanied by some kind of an action because that is the true faith that is able to withstand the obstacles that come your way. Can you say amen to that this morning? I want to, I want to close with a scripture that I think really helps define this faith concept for us. And Anyone know what the famous Hall of Faith chapter is in scripture? Hall of, Hall of Faith. Hebrews chapter 11. It's the verse that, it's the passage that came before what we read just now, about this great cloud of witnesses. Hebrews chapter 11, it's called the Hall of Faith. It lists all these incredible people, men and women of God that have done some amazing things. And here's this, this definition that I want to share with you that hopefully has a fresh meaning for you this morning as you consider how to build your life with a solid frame of faith. And this will lead us into week two of the series, which we're going to talk about next week, which is hope. Have a look at Hebrews 11.1. 1. This, this is how it starts. This is the biblical definition of faith, right? It says, now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. Faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. Friends, the frame of your bicycle, faith, is your confident assurance that Jesus is who he says he is and that Jesus will do what he says he will do. That's it. And it's the physical substance of spiritual things because, according to Scripture, we walk by faith and not by sight. It's the physical substance of the spiritual things we hope for. We walk by faith and not by sight. God is good. And he's given us faith as a gift to place our trust in him with the hope of salvation. Our faith is covered by his blood. It's what saves us. It's what makes us whole. Our lives are built on the cross, not on any other empty philosophy, not on any other random speculation. And according to this verse, it propels us forward. Our faith results in an action on our part. And that's why I love things like volunteering at church. We see our band up here. We see all of our volunteers doing amazing things. That's faith in action. Faith results in action. And according to Scripture, we walk by it, not by sight. Perhaps my hope and encouragement this morning could also be you might not see the solution right now. Maybe you're sitting in a reality that, you know, you've hit a pothole of some kind. You've hit a snag along the road. My hope is that you won't deny that reality, but that you will see God's ability as greater than that reality. That's what faith is. Let's place our faith in Jesus. Amen. He's far more steadfast than we are. <laughs> Could you stand with me this morning, church? I want to close first in a word of prayer. So uh, we've got Rob on keys this morning. I don't see. We've got D on keys this morning. Subtle reminder. Thanks, D. <laughs> it always makes more theological sense to have someone on keys while you pray. No, I'm joking. But it does really help to create this atmosphere of worship. And I wanted to, in preparation for this morning, end by giving you an invitation. Um, 
Maybe you haven't yet taken the first step in placing faith in God. It's a very important step. Maybe you've wondered about this whole Christian faith journey and perhaps this morning somewhere in the Scriptures or somewhere in what I was able to share, you saw Jesus for the first time in a new way. Maybe you thought, you know what? I actually want to begin this journey. I want to, I want to get on the bike. I want to get on the bicycle of faith and move forward towards a heavenly goal. Maybe you've been going forward in your own goal, your own way, but I think perhaps this morning someone here or maybe someone we know even is going to take their first step, is going to take that first meter forward towards a new destination, on a new bike, towards a new outcome. So I suppose as a way of honouring this moment, church, if you wouldn't mind closing your eyes with me and just bowing your heads, this is a, it's a moment between us and God. If that is you this morning, if you would like to take that first step in placing your faith in Christ Jesus, you've just heard it was a free gift. <laughs> Something we could do to earn it. It was purchased for us by Christ. If that's you, if you want to take that first step this morning, won't you do me the honour of praying with you just where you are, but letting me know that that's you, just by raising your hand, just long enough for me to see it this morning. It's between you and God. And that's it. Just say, yes, Lord, I want to place my faith in you. I, I receive salvation this morning. Thank you so much. To those that have raised their hands, you may, you may lower them again, friends. And what I want to do is just take a moment and pray with you. And then we're going to wrap up with another prayer, a second kind of prayer for those perhaps that are wanting to, to bring their faith back to the body shop and just kind of reshape things again. Maybe build a bit more of a solid foundation. But before we get there, I want to take a moment and pray with those that raised their hand this morning. And all I want you to do is just, you can echo these words in your heart or quietly un 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 under your breath. And church, if you wouldn't mind praying with me just as a way of supporting them. It's a good thing, right? People are taking their first step towards salvation, this new life in Christ. That's something to be celebrated. And so right where you are, just if you would just have the courage to repeat these words after me in church can we pray with them as a way of support but just say these very simple words say Lord Jesus I receive the free gift of salvation today would you forgive me of my sins I need you I turn away from sin to you Holy Spirit thank you for making me new. Help me on this journey. In Jesus' name. Amen. And church, just while we're in this moment of worship, thank you so much for doing that. I, I do feel like there might be one or two people that have been in church or been around faith for a while and maybe you've allowed that frame to, to get beat up a little bit. Maybe this morning is the morning where we just bring it back. We just, we just bring it back to the body shop and we say, Lord, would you, would you recolor this thing for me again? <laughs> I've made faith about my efforts and it's about you and your efforts. It's about your blood that made me clean, that purchased my freedom. Maybe, maybe your faith has taken on a different shape. You hit an obstacle and you started to lean into other beliefs, other things, and they've, they've caused you to lose focus a bit. Maybe that's you this morning. Or maybe, maybe you haven't been going forward in your faith. You've got stale and stagnant and I've been there too. I really feel like Jesus wants to elevate us again into that active living faith so if that is you this morning church again with just every eye closed and every head bowed just as a way of honoring this moment and we'll be done in a minute or two i promise won't you please just raise your hand with me just just say that's me there's something special that happens when you take that action just say lord that's me i need my frame 
reshaped. I need to, I need, I need my frame recolored. I need it, I need the shape, I need it to be put back into shape. The shape of the cross. Thank you so much. There's a lot of hands that have gone up, and I love that. This is an honoring moment. This it's between you and God. This is not a performance thing, it's a precious thing. God is moving. Thank you so much, Lord. I want to take a moment and just pray for you. And all I want you to do is just receive. Father, I thank you for every hand that was raised. I thank you that you know every situation. And I thank you that according to Romans, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Father, you've forgiven us. You've freed us. And we pray that as we receive that forgiveness and that love this morning, it will transform our faith from the inside out. Father, we make it about you again. You are the object. You are the creator of our faith. Thank you for salvation that washes us clean. Where we've got our bikes, our, our faith out of shape, would you, would you reshape it again? Would you bring us back to that place of worship where we're seated at the foot of the cross and we see you, Jesus, for who you are. We receive the fullness of what you've done. Thank you, Father, that your word is a solid foundation upon, upon which we can build. And so, Jesus, would you make us strong again? Would you propel us forward? Would you give us the motivation by your Spirit to move forward in our faith this week? Thank you for spiritual progress, Lord. Thank you for growth. Thank you for development. All these things that come as a byproduct of our relationship with you. So thank you, Father, that you have never left us, you have never forsaken us, and that you are calling us towards a heavenly destiny. Would you guide us again, we pray, as we celebrate the power of your love. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Church, can we just give God a shout of praise and worship and adoration this morning as we thank Him for what He's done.